David's words in the Psalms are divinely inspired to help us search within ourselves. To help us search when we feel under attack. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with Psalm 139. And I know y'all just sit down. I was waiting for more people to sit down so I could just say Psalms 139, get your Bible out. You should already know. Psalms 139, if you're, not, if you're wondering why people stand, we stand in honor of God's word. If we can stand at a football field when they scream and, and score a touchdown, we can definitely stand for the, the reading of God's word because we honor it. Psalm 139, verse 17, it's such a powerful scripture. I've preached this before, this passage, and I wanna preach it again today because with us in this series about winning the war in our mind, there's so much battles that go on on the inside and we, we gotta know how to wage war on the inside and conquer the battles. Verse 17 begins, it says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Now we're starting to see a shift. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred toward them. I count them my enemies. David is focusing on external factors in this passage. And then all of a sudden, we begin to see something that he does over and over and over again. If you ever read Psalms, you will find him doing this over and over again in his life where you will see where he goes from dealing with his enemies to dealing with the enemy. And what we're about to see is David is about to take responsibility for his own anxiety. We have to learn to take responsibility for our own anxiety. In verse 23, he says, one of the probably the most powerful passages in Psalms, search me, God, and know my heart. David goes from an extreme of all the external issues to looking at what's going on on the inside. God, do something about those who are evil and wicked, but search me, God. You see, nothing changes in my life until I do, until I make a decision. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. That's where I wanna spend some time today, and I wanna preach to you today from the title, Taking Back My Anxious Mind. Taking Back My Anxious Mind mind. Jesus, touch us today. Speak to us. Let your word come into our life and change us from the inside out. Let us be transformed and be renewed by the power of your word. We worship you today. We say, do what only you can do. We pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. Give someone a hug. Sorry I do this to you.
Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt the flood of anxiety, of emotions come over you? Anybody ever felt that before in their life? Maybe you've been anxious about a decision you have to make or anxious about a move, whether it be career or a life move. Maybe it's anxious about a commitment that you're wanting to make or thinking you need to make or God's asking you to make or maybe it's you find anxiety out of this a situation that you're facing, something you're going through. You just receive this flood of anxious thought. Research shows us that all of us get anxious and that we actually, we live in the age of anxiety. It's, it's like this thing. And if we're real about it, it's truthfully, it is marketed to us through the platforms that are supposed to be giving us our information. That the very same companies that are trying to help us are also giving us fear tactics to help us with pills that they need us to purchase to help us. But let's be careful, we don't wanna to sound too much like David. But I want us to observe David because he came to a place in his life where he said, you know, it's not what's happening out there that's causing my anxiety. It's not what's going on on the external factors that's making me anxious, it's what I allow to go on in here that goes undetected, that goes unchecked. It's, it's, it's my thought process that's making me anxious. It's not what's happening in the world that creates my anxiety. It's the way I'm thinking about it. It's, it's the way that I allow myself to sit in thought for too long. If you look at verse 24, I know that David didn't know about neural pathways, and we talked about this last week, but I know David didn't know about them. I would think he wouldn't because he didn't have the, the technology we have today, but it sounds like he did because he says in verse 24, as he continues after saying, search me, God, know my heart, test me, show me if there's any way in me, but then he says, see if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. And now we know that when we think about a thought long enough, it creates this twisted illusion in our minds. Pastor Danny talked about it a long time ago. It says when we ruminate on something, cows will eat something, swallow it, throw it back up in their mouth and chew on it again, swallow it, bring it back up again. It's called ruminating. And we learned last week that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And there is a process in which we get stuck in this rut in our life. And so David is saying, see if, see if I've been thinking in a way that has allowed the enemy to traffic in my mind. That's what David is asking God to do. See if I've allowed a pathway that where the enemy can dwell in my thought. Show me that. You see, oftentimes I've come to realize that there are some things in us that are making us vulnerable to the way that things are, and they're, they're the things that are what are allowing us to remain anxious. When the Bible says in Philippians, 
don't be anxious about anything. I don't believe that the Bible is saying I don't, that you can't be, that you're never gonna face anxiety. It's not what that means, but what it does rather mean is when we stay anxious. Does it mean that there won't be times when you feel like your chest is shaking and it's, you're finding it hard to breathe? Those moments are going to come. But I'm talking about this pervasive sense of when things are going good but you're wondering and worried, it's only gonna last for a moment. Constantly looking around every corner, wondering what's gonna happen next. And I want you to see something that maybe you have forgotten and that maybe you have ignored. If, if I'm going to take back my anxious mind, if I'm gonna get back what I need to have in my thought, then I'm gonna have to understand and realize that my perspective is determined by my consumption. I have found that anxiety and love handles have one thing in common. You can't just easily pray them away. They both are directly connected and related to our consumption. I was hoping in this fast that I could pray away love handles. But I just told my wife, it just gives you more to love, baby. That's what it is. But you see, one thing I know for a fact that, that is creating anxiety in our life is this right here. And did you know that there is a feature on this phone that maybe you haven't realized? You know, it's, it's, it's got all these great functions. The iPhone does and whatever phone you may have. I don't know, the dumb phones. We're praying for all the Android people and all the other galaxies and whatever you are. But there's a lot of great functions on this phone and, and it doesn't matter whether you have the first one or the last one. All phones have it. It doesn't matter which model you have or what kind of phone you have. But, but I've noticed that if you hold on an iPhone these two side buttons down, there's this thing that pops up that says slide to power off. Oh, I feel so much better already. Did you know it had that, that function? Maybe you have never done that unless you're trying to reset it so you can see back on social media again because it wouldn't load anymore. Or you finally got the pop-up that you get on Netflix that asks you the question, are you still watching? We, we can't consume all of this and still have room for the peace of God in our life. And, and you're praying for the peace of God to come into your life, but God doesn't have anywhere to put it. Have you ever thought about that? That we were not designed to have any and every conversation with anyone in the world at any moment buzzing in our back pocket. Life was not meant to be this way. It was not supposed to be this way. Of course we're freaking out. Of course we're, we're wondering what's going on. Of course we're stressed out and, and freaking out about all the different things that are going on in our mind. Of course we're numbing ourselves with drinking and smoking and popping and sleeping. Of course we can't stop it. The devil's got a shock collar on us and we don't even know it. But, but let's think about this for a minute. We, we, go, we go through our whole week, you go through your week full of everything going on. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
and you get full on the latest tea, gossip, for those that don't know, trying to be relevant, the 87 hours of social media that we've been tuning into, you've watched an entire Netflix series in an entire week with 18,000 episodes, You've got all the media going on in your head, everything you've watched in the news every single day, and then you want to come into church, and you want to ask our worship team to sing the songs that'll make us feel good, and you expect your pastor to come preach a 40-minute message about what God told him to tell you, and you try to figure out where to cram that all in on the other eight, 167 hours of media and social media and gossip and all the crap that we face every week, and we wonder why we don't have any peace. You, you can't have peace when you don't make room for it. Because what you allow to stay in your mind will come out in your life. And we often expect to place a honey bun in an oven and out come a Gordon Ramsay gourmet meal. <laughs> this is what we expect in life. You know, I'm just gonna take whatever I got, I'm just, you know, this scrumptious honey bun with icing and it's cinnamon glaze. I'm about to make a Baptist speak in tongues right now. It's just. <laughs> and we wanna place it in an oven and expect God to work with that and pop out this filet mignon, medium rare, with Christopher's World Grill special sauce. Mmm and it's mashed potatoes and gravy, sweet potato fries on the side with some broccoli cheese casserole, and a sweet potato pie sitting off to the side while you've got the chocolate molten cake. Mm, Jesus, on the main line, tell them what you want. But this is how we expect life to be. And what we consume, and also what we don't consume, is fatal to our faith. It's fatal. And what I've noticed is that there's some people that are living on a spiritual starvation diet and they don't even know it. And so we have this faith that, that we don't feed and therefore we cannot access the strength that we would have if we were to feed the faith in the first place. And so we don't feed it and therefore we cannot access what God has said is so readily available to us. You see, when I first started to work out, um, I, I try to be faithful, and you know, I've got kids too, and I love food, so it's hard. But when I started trying to, to be more faithful in working out, you see, in order to get the results that I wanted to get, the first thing I needed to realize was I cannot out-train a bad diet. You, you, you can't. And, and trainers will actually, they will tell you, that if you ever get like a fitness trainer or you just Google it and go to YouTube University, which we all do, and so you, you will find that trainers will, will oftentimes ask you to keep a log on what you consume. Because it, you can be training so hard, but if you're not putting in the right things and you're not consuming the right things, then guess what? You will not see the results that you're wanting to see. And I begin to think about this and wonder, 
What, what if we were to keep a thought log of everything we allowed to stay in our mind? If we want our physical body to be in shape and we're willing to go to extreme measures to do all of that, what if we did that in our thoughts? And just wrote down the thoughts that are trying to stay in, in our mind and keep a log on why we keep thinking the way we're thinking and what we're doing that week that's causing us to think the way we think. And what I've noticed is we, we let the enemy in, but we pray God to drive him out. Like, like we, we begin this vicious cycle where we, we, the enemy comes in, we allow him to come into our life, we open ourselves up, we, we, we become receptive to anything and everything, and then we pray, oh God, let him come out, drive him out, God, we don't want that in our life, I rebuke it. But then we go back to letting the enemy again, and then we pray again, and we're creating our own state of mind that we're trying to pray away. And this matters to us, not only in what we think, but this also matters in our relationships. Who we allow to come in and out of our life. Who you allow in your kid's life. And I know that you can't always control every single person that you're around. And I know some of the people that, that you really don't want to be around, you got to work with. But can I just give you a little advice? Maybe you need to put on, you know, when you get around these people and they start to, what I would call, sunburn your faith a little bit, you need to put on some SPF 100, some spiritual tech protection when you get around them. Because I know you have to sit by them at work and you got to hear all their vial that they want to spill, but they got these things called AirPods and they got these things called headphones. They also have this thing called silent on your phone. That if you wonder why I'm not responding, it's not because I don't love you, but it's just because I'm trying to keep my peace. And I don't have to respond to every single person that calls. Can I tell you, you don't have to respond to everybody that calls. Matter of fact, if you don't leave me a voicemail, I don't call you back. Honest to God. People call, I've been calling you, you didn't leave me a voicemail, so it wasn't that important. But we, we cannot forget that every day is a battlefield. Every day. Not, not just a battlefield on the world that we're trying to fight against or the things that are coming against us, but the battle that's going on on the inside. We have this battleground that's going on in our mind, and if we, if we don't learn to guard our mind, we will allow anything to consume, be consumed in our life that are not producing positive results. So let me tell you something. Coming to church and participating and even serving, it's great. I think we all should. That's, that's one of the assignments that God has given all of us. Church is not something we attend. Church is something that we are a part of. Church is something that we build. We are the body of Christ. If my arm don't function, it ain't worth nothing. We are, we are the body of Christ, so it's great that you attend. That's great, but just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. No, no different than just because I stand in my garage, it does not make me a car. Church is something to belong to. It is something to participate in. And if I expect to come once a week to be filled and I wonder why I go through my life and I still feel empty, it'd be like eating one meal a week and never eating again till you show back up in church. You have to learn to feed yourself every day, three times a day. You have to learn what it is to give yourself the nutrients out of God's word that you need to live a healthy life. 
You can't expect to come in here once a week and be filled and be satisfied and try to go throughout your week when the devil is trying to come in against you, when the enemy is trying to fight you, and you got all these things blowing against you, and you don't have the strength. If you've been on a fast and you've been doing a little, just one meal a week or one meal a day, you find that you don't have the strength to move anything. Your muscles do not have what it needs. Ask our staff. We were moving some furniture the other day. Me and my brother, we, we, were, we were moving some things. We were working on our offices being redone. And we got about 27 trips up a, a flight of stairs. And we were like, oh. Because our muscles don't have the nutrients that they needed. And we can't expect the same thing in our spiritual walk to be where we come to church once a week. And that's the only time we get filled or we just flip through social media and we watch the 17 Second reel and expect, oh, Lord, yes, that's all I needed. No, you need a daily encounter with Jesus. You need a daily time where you get with God and you spend time with him and he feeds your soul. Because if you don't do that, you will find yourself as a believer wondering why, you, wondering why your, your spiritual stamina is so weak. And when life hits you hard and you have to fight back, you're not going to have the energy to sustain yourself and you're going to give in and your theology is going to be so misconstrued and you're going to be stripped away from all of what you really believe. Your perspective is going to be completely tarnished and you're going to go from a worldly view or from a kingdom view to a worldly view and then the meaning of life, the way of life, God's truth, all that becomes to be deteriorated out of your life. You begin to try to find meaning on your own. You begin to find this super, superficial idea of life and growth and meaning and sexuality. And you begin to take in all these empty calories. And over time, you will find that it will not sustain you. You'll find yourself drowning in an ocean of anxious thoughts and you won't know which way is up and you'll reach a point where you'll be willing to do anything to push that pressure relief button. Anything. My perspective is determined by my consumption. If I'm gonna learn to take my mind back, then I've also gotta realize that what I give weight to determines what I value. When you don't have a sense of what's really important in your life, when you don't know, have a real sense of priorities, then, and you don't have the right order, everything's gonna feel out of order, everything's gonna feel urgent. And when that starts to happen, it's a sign that you haven't figured out how to give proper weight to the right things. And I've been there many times, especially leading a church, everything can feel urgent. Everything. But I've learned that if, if I'm open to everything, and everyone, and all their demands, and everything's demands, then they're all gonna take up equal space in my life. And by saying yes to certain people and things that don't really matter, then you're saying an automatic no to the things that do. And you've gotta be wise to what and who you give weight to. And sometimes we're so stressed out because we're giving too much weight to the wrong things and not enough weight to the right things. And we wonder why we're filled with anxiety. We wonder why we're so stressed out all the time. And we've come to this place where we're, we're completely out of balance in our life. We don't know which weight is more important. And, and, and we have this feed where everything on this feed is the exact same size. And we think it carries the same weight. 
And we live in a state of anxiety because we haven't learned how to weigh it out. We don't know how to weigh it out. And, and so somebody, why don't you just tell your neighbor, say, you've got to weigh it out. Tell them, you've got to weigh it out. Tell your other neighbor, say, you've got to weigh it out. You've got to know what you're going to give weight to. You've got to know who you're going to give weight to. And I believe somebody's going to find their freedom today because, watch this, when someone doesn't like you, sometimes it doesn't matter. She knew where I was going. When someone doesn't like you, sometimes it really don't matter. Sometimes we go out of our way to make someone like us at the expense of those who really love us. So in pursuit of, of people, in pursuit of things that don't really matter, we lose ourselves and we wonder why we can barely make it through the day. And we pursue this all in the name of validation. And we tend to feed on the applause and acceptance of the wrong things and we're given weight to the wrong people and the wrong things and now we are so deprived of the proper nutrition of the word of God when he says something and because we've been feeding off the approval of them, not of him. You've gotta give the right weight behind the right words. Not too long ago, I was having a conversation with a pastor, a mentor pastor of mine, and I was, I was giving him this, this speech on some things that were going on in my life, and he was asking some questions, and like, how's the, how are things going, and you know, you know what, what's, what's happening in your life, and I began to kind of give them this, this full speech of what was going on in my life, and I was asking him for a, a, some advice, and after talking for a little while, I got ready to hear what he wanted to say, the, 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 the advice, the information, and as, as, as I sat there, he just looked at me and he said, you know, Nate, it doesn't really matter. And I'm like, no, I just sat here and spent several minutes telling you about something that's making me anxious, it's, it's complicated in my life, I, I'm asking for advice, I need you to tell me what I need to do, and I'm like, are you serious? I need you to help me. I feel anxious on the inside, but what he helped me to realize was I needed to check the weight. Somebody shout, check the weight. And this is true about 99.9999999973% of everything that's making you anxious. And there's been many times in my life where I've been laying up in bed wondering and worrying about all these things that I have no control over and God reminds me while I'm sitting up in bed at 3 a.m. saying, why are you staying awake worried about something I'm already working on? Why are you worried about it? And somebody needs to hear that today. Why are you worried? Why are you anxious about something that God has already worked out? God is already working on your behalf. God has already gone before you. He is your rear guard. He is with you. He's not forsaken you. Because when I give weight to the promises of God, when I give weight to the right things and the right people, then we will have a clear sense of what is really priority in my life. If I do that, then I'm okay if people get angry when I say no. It's okay. Because my no for them is a yes to something I've already agreed that is more important. I've already decided what is more important than any given demand that might come in me in my life in any given moment. And this is the thing that I'm continually reminded of. And that is this. God is my refuge. 
He is my strength. That Christ is my solid rock. But if I don't know how to stand in the right balance on that rock, then the devil's going to try to push me. And he's going to sway me. And I'm going to constantly feel unsettled. I'm going to constantly feel tossed and turned. But when you plant yourself firmly on the solid rock, when you realize that God is your refuge in times of trouble, it don't matter what comes your, your way. It doesn't matter what lies the enemy tries to tell you. It doesn't matter what tries to be thrown at you in life, that you will go through the fiery furnace and coming out on the other side, not even smelling like smoke. Because it don't really matter. Can I tell you, what doesn't matter is what they think. What does matter is what God says. That's it. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything in me that is offensive. Any, any offensive way in me. Point it out, reveal it, show it, blow it up, and lead me in the way everlasting. I feel like somebody's getting their peace back. I feel like somebody's getting their joy back. I feel like somebody's getting their, they're getting their strength back. Somebody's taking back their mind. They're saying, I'm getting my anxious mind back. I think it's time that we, we, we get back what the enemy's tried to steal from us. And you know, there's this old, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is old church song, and I've been playing it in my house. My wife's like, you going old school. I sure was. This is an old church song we used to sing all the time. Old church song. It says, when I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Come on, sing it. I'm not a singer, so sing it. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole Sing it again. First time you've ever heard that song before. God bless you. You're welcome. You're going to be going home to church. You'll be putting it on Spotify. Went to the enemy's camp. Look what the Lord has done. It's two different songs. We used to mash them together. And boy, we would go to church with that song. 
My mom's like, let's do it. She's ready to run laps around the auditorium. Let me tell you what. She's like, hey, oh, let's get it. I think it's time we give weight to the right things and let go of the weight of the words that really, that really don't matter. Did he just get on the organ? Oh, he's on that organ. There's a real organ right there. Can I tell you, if it's taking you away from your destiny and purpose, then it's the wrong weight. Tell the tell your neighbor, it's the wrong weight. If it's taking you away from your God-assigned relationships, then guess what? It's the wrong weight. Tell your neighbor, it's the wrong weight. If it's taking you away from the principles and foundation of God and his holy word, then guess what? It's the wrong weight. Tell your neighbor, it's the wrong weight. So today is the day that all changes. It all changes. And I know in a room like this, and even on the other side of a screen, there are many of us whose minds have been robbed from the enemy. Our minds have been taken, and we, we need to get our minds back. We need to get our, we need to take our thoughts captive. We need to learn that, that what we consume matters. We need to learn that what we give weight to is what we value. And so we gotta give weight to the right things. And maybe you're in this place today and you feel in a place of despair. You feel in a place of that, you, 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 you feel so lost, you feel inside, you, you feel it with anxious thoughts. You don't know which way is up. You're flooded with the ocean and emotion of thought. It's time to give Jesus the reins again. It's time to take back what the enemy stole from you. And it's time to let Jesus have the reins. It's time to allow him to be in control. It's time to allow him to be the leader and Lord of your life. This is the moment. This is the time. Right now. Tell your neighbor, right now. Tell your other one. Say, you really need to hear this right now. Say, this is your moment. Tell them. Don't look at me. Look at them. Say, this is your moment. This is your time. Right now. Right now. No, no, right now. Y'all about to get somebody running around church right now. I'm just... But I want to do something because I believe right now in a faith-filled atmosphere like we're in today, there's some of you that need Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You need Jesus to take the reins. You need Jesus to make all things new. And let me tell you, friend, he's the only one who can set you free. With his help, you can take back your anxious mind. You can take it back. And you can allow him to clear you. So with every eye closed in this room, every head bowed, Nobody moving around. This is one of the most important parts of our service. If you don't know Jesus today, maybe you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've never allowed him to have the reins of your life. But you've been coming to church for a little while and you're trying to still figure out what all this is about. But you've come to hear about a man who came and became his own creation. That God sent his son and his name was Jesus. That he lived a sinless life. But they put the world and the, the world, the sins of the world on him. And he nailed them to a cross, your sin and mine. They gave him stripes on his back with the cat of nine tails, lashes, cut his back open for our healing and for our salvation. And that by his blood, the Bible says, we are covered in grace. And that way, when we stand before the Father one day, before we enter those pearly gates, 
he looks at us and says, this is what you've done, Jesus will stand in the way and say, but I died for him, I died for her, I shed my blood, and they are covered by my blood and my grace and my righteousness, and no longer are they bound by that. God will say, well done, come on in and let's have a party. But that only comes by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. It doesn't come from being a good person. It doesn't come from just doing good deeds. Well, I think we've gotten a world where we've, we've, we've forgotten that. I can be a great person and still be going to hell. I can feed the whole world but not give them Jesus and we lose. So today in this room or on the other side of a screen, whatever room you're sitting in, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you need Jesus in your life today, you say, I need Jesus. I want him in my life. I want him to make all things new. I've been trying life my own way, and I'm tired. I feel like I'm putting things in my pockets with holes in it. Nothing seems to be fulfilling. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill you. Jesus is your fulfillment. The Bible says, he says, I am, meaning I am the great I am. I am everything that you need. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your salvation. I am your purpose. If you need Jesus today, I'm going to count down from three. And I just want you to lift your hand with boldness because I want to pray a prayer with you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything different other than just lift your hand because I want to know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, just lift your hand. Three, two, one. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see it. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift that hand up today. I need Jesus in my life. I don't know him and I want to know him or maybe I've walked away and I need to come back home. I need to take back what the enemy stole from me and I need Jesus to have reigns of my life. If that's you, just slip up your hand today. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see it all across this room. Young and old, I see you all. Most importantly, God sees you. You can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. If you're believing, you've prayed this prayer a million times, let's pray it as faith for those that are praying it for the very first time or that are rededicating it. Say it out loud where your ears can hear you, all of us together, even online. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Today I ask that you forgive me of all my sin. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. And I'm gonna take back my anxious mind. I'm gonna take back what the enemy stole from me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said a big amen.